Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday and Thursday for the love of tech. Coming up on today's show, we are talking to Rioc Edwards-Brown, the founder of Say You Wanna Be In TV and her frankly fairly inspirational story. Uh, we are having a little bit of a chat about how community can help mental health in the workplace following on from our comments on World Mental Health Day Wednesday last week. And Jack has a products of the week. Hello Jack. Good afternoon David. How are you? Very well. I'm off to see First Man tonight. Oh, I need to see that so badly. Well, it's coming out today, isn't it? Yes, I mean, for the for the continuity of the podcast, this is Monday, but this is being recorded yes, on... Yes, good point. Yeah. Um, but, I'm know, sure people realise we are not... Yes. Yes. I'd, I'd planned on seeing that and Bad Times at the El Royale, both very high on my to-do list. Mm. Um, I'm potentially going to see one of the two... Wednesday next week so let me know how it goes this might be slightly idealistic of me but I kind of feel like we need a space exploration mission as a as a race to pull ourselves together in, in the light of yeah. the in the light of the everything's going to be buggered in 11 years <laughs> reports have you have you seen by the way that to to meet the quotas they're suggesting that we need to cut down on our beef consumption by 90% and replace oh. Basically, because of because of the effects of global warming. Yeah, yeah, Have you yeah, ever yeah, seen yeah. Cowspiracy? Uh, do you know what? Me and a housemate started watching it when we were really hungover one day, uh, and it, did, it went in one ear and straight out the other. Basically, heavy agriculture yeah. uses so much water and the waste that gets washed into rivers, etc. Et and cows fart a lot as well. Which... And you've got down forests. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I kind of feel you look at the International Space Station and you've got. Russia and America cohabiting mm. and everything seems mm. to be okay. Uh, well, apart from the recent sabotaging thing, but uh, <laughs> uh, but no, generally, yeah, you know, stuff like that yeah. pulls us together. And I kind of feel like we're very inward looking, and we don't yep. have anything outward and hopeful to drive us forward and come together on. So there was uh, uh, on first man. There was the whole uproar that the film itself, and this isn't the spoiler. This was part of the primer. Well, apparently they make it. No, yes, yeah. No, <laughs> Spoiler but, alert! But they don't, they don't show the image of yeah. him putting the flag down. They oh, don't okay. want it to be conceived as this American hoorah film. You know, Damien Chazelle, I think he might even be Canadian, you know. Wanted to oh, take, hey, well, Claire Foy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, Come on, Brits. But, and, well, Ryan Gosling's oh, Canadian. Oh, Canadian, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Um, but they wanted it to be a, a, a film about a team getting there and not about America beating Russia there which a lot of um, Republican mm. right wingers wanted it to be about well, one of the things I love about The Martian is that in the end it's because of the collaboration between America and China that's it yeah that they managed to save them and arrival China yes. they, the collaboration with China stops, yes. the, stops the impending uh, what was the it fact, well the fact that the, the alien race forced the humans that's to it. work together yeah. yeah that was their gift yeah. oh what a film arrival is so there we go. I'm going to go see First uh, First Man, but if you haven't seen The Martian and you haven't seen Arrival, mm. go and watch those. Definitely. Great is, anyway, this is turning into like a den of geek sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, thing. this is this, this uh, is our space exploration. Yeah, show. no. <laughs> let's get let's get back to the here and now. Uh, we are talking to Rioch Edwards Brown. Uh, this is one of the more moving uh, interviews that we've done uh, because Rioch set up to see you want to be in TV due to some fairly extreme personal circumstances that you'll hear about in a moment. Uh, but do stick with us. We'll obviously have some thoughts afterwards and then we will be talking about uh, how community can be key in, in mental health. And as I said, Jack's got a product, so lots to listen to, but here's Rioch. 
So I'm joined by Rio. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Sitting in the in the kind of the early awesome sunshine in Homerton. Yeah, and we need more of it. More sunshine, please. Yeah, the the mornings are beginning to get a little bit chilly. I'm kind of reaching for a dressing gown all of a sudden when I'm waking <laughs> up, which is a novel feeling. Given about a month ago, I was dying of heat exhaustion. Uh, <laughs> thanks for spending some time. Pleasure. Um, Rio. I know of you because you were on a panel at Tech London Advocates' fifth birthday bash mm. for the, the social enterprise that you run, so you want to be in TV. But if someone hasn't heard of it, do you want to just explain for 30 seconds or a minute what, what it is that you run? Yes. Uh, so, Say so You Want to Be in TV is very disruptive. Mm -hmm. It's London-based, uh, although we're going out into the regions. And uh, basically what we're doing is addressing this skills gap and lack of diversity. Uh, within industry and uh, we do that through um, a free training program for financially disadvantaged young people mm -hmm. from 17 of the poorest boroughs in London and um, I set this up after my son uh, was shot and stabbed while he was in school mm -hmm. and what came out of that my son actually survived uh, was that uh, the young boy that attacked him in this way said he'd done this because he hated him he'd stabbed and shot my son because he hated him for having two parents at home and that just, you know, completely turned my world upside down. And I needed to be able to try and find a way of reaching out to my son at the time. And this is how So You Want to Be in TV uh, was, was born. So it was my skill base at the time. Mm. And um, since then, you know, we've helped over 3,000 young people from a range of backgrounds uh, with mental health issues, homeless, in university, at college, at school, doesn't really matter. We work with young people from age uh, sort of 14 upwards. And interestingly enough, this year we're actually going to be working with young people in primary schools. And uh, so, so where we are today is that we are now uh, not just within TV, we're across the tech space, creative space, and now going into AI. And I would imagine that a lot of your work, whilst with the young people that are in the programme, you must spend a lot of time talking to parents too of those families or not? Yes, I mean, it's, it's a community-based organisation. Mm. Um, we're very much about uh, the community, so that would include parents as well. We, mm. I mean, parents, guardians, friends, sisters, brothers turn up with our young people um, to the public spaces that we have sponsored. And they're actually part of exactly what happens next because we are, I suppose, picking up the tail end of uh, an education system that actually uh, we feel is about 200 years old. Right. Um, very standardised, it's not really equipping uh, young people with the key skills that they're going to really need in a, a kind of a world that's becoming more and more sort of automated um, mm. and a lot of the jobs that they're being sort of um, you know the skill sets that they're being given at school are simply for jobs that are not going to be around you know in the next even five to ten years so we're sort of dealing with a legacy of that and parents are instrumental that we actually talk to and say you know why don't you take, you know, your son or your daughter out to a public speaking event? Mm. Um, you know, why don't you get them to look at sort of critical thinking? Um, you know, build resilience uh, because these are going to be core skills that you're going to really need your young uh, children, uh, your adolescents to have going forward. So parents are a very important part of that. And it's one of those weird things about London, I suppose weird and wonderful at the same time, but equally with its drawbacks. I spent, what, five or six years living in Islington, which is both home to huge concentrations of wealth oh. and severe poverty. And yet you've got huge and wonderful career opportunities on the doorstep of people who have no access to that. So how do you go about bridging that, that divide that's obviously opened up in such close proximity to each other? And I, I think this is probably our USB. Um, 
you know, when we started out 10 years ago, I had a very, very good opportunity to start up a commercial business. And it became very clear very quickly that if I had done that, I would have done exactly and re just re you know, reinvented the wheel. I would have missed mm. out on a huge tranche of talent, exactly as you say, just not having access. But by um, a stroke of luck, it was something that my then 13-year-old son said to me at the time after having gone through this attack. A bit further down the line, he said to me, Mum, I absolutely love you, but one of the things you don't do is listen. Right. And therein is really where the story starts, because everything we do as a, as a social enterprise is about listening. And we found that when we went into the community, even myself, you know, I'm a Peckhamite, South East London girl, you know, made good. Um, I stopped listening. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't actually even understanding what was going on in my son's life at age 13, because I grew up, you know, in a working class family. It was hard. It was tough. But I'd made it through. So what was his problem? But we get out there into the community and we realize that young people are not as feckless as reports would probably have suggested that they were. They wanted to find uh, pathways into employment, into training, etc. They simply didn't have those networks. So that was the, the key thing that we started to build was trust, first of all, mm. and then those pathways between industry and the community and just cut the, the whole middle piece out completely. Before we hit record, you described a situation where your first event, you invited 30 companies along, <laughs> two turned up, through to, to these recent events <laughs> where you've, you've built up relationships and 110 companies turn up. Mm. So how have you done that? Because that's an incredible story for anyone to kind of understand. Well, we, we did the painful bit in what's taken place over the last 10 years. And, right. and, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, somebody get up tomorrow and go and do exactly <laughs> what we've done. We can tell you all the mistakes that you don't need to make. Um, I tell you, it'll come right back down to what I just said a few minutes ago. Yeah. Listening. That was it. You know, actually listening where industry was saying, we need help with this. And this happens to be, we have a shortage of skills. We're not getting new blood through. We're not getting new talent through. And we just simply answer that piece. Take it straight back to the community. Their ask was, we want to go into employment, but we don't have the training. We don't have the skills. We can't work for free for a number of weeks, possibly mm. months as an in unpaid intern or apprentice. Uh, under apprenticeship and, and so therefore we, we're ruled out through a financial barrier so we removed that financial barrier and made all the training free and that's pretty much what we've rolled out continuously is just listening to both aspects community and commerce and that listening approach has, has led to it being very organic mm -hmm. so it was so you want to be in, in TV then you want to be in tech you mm -hmm. want to be in AI there was one other sorry one, you saw you want to be in creative you want to be in creative yep. I get that you know, as a, as, a, as a 14 year old, you can kind of look at TV and go, oh, great, I'd love to be a presenter. Yeah. AI is something a little bit less tangible necessarily for someone to get their head around in the first instance. What, what's that journey like for the, for the community, for the individual uh, young adult kind of going into these programs and, and realizing what's available to them? What, what do you tend to see when you're working with, with them? Well, we just have these amazing moments where, from our point of view, because We've got a fantastic set of any one time 32 volunteers or all mm. professionals. And so they're coming with their experience, um, their wealth of knowledge and skill base. And it's completely up to date and it's the real world of work. And it's absolutely amazing the number of times we've had young people turn up at our sessions. Obviously, not quite sure why they're there. Yeah. <laughs> um, may have some sort of uh, predefined idea of what it's going to be about. 
And then suddenly within that session, somebody comes on and is talking and said, look, this was my AI journey as to where I am today and I'm very successful at it. However, this is where I come from, the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. And it's at that moment you've got your in because you then have somebody sitting there thinking, well, if so-and-so has managed to achieve that, there's a very good likelihood that I can do that. And it's almost at the... Um, I would say, not expense, but I would say it's almost that AI doesn't matter. Should I? It, that's how organic it is. It's not so much that people are coming there thinking, right, I don't know what I'm going to get into, and all of a sudden the AI world has shown up. It's more from the point of view that they can hear someone tell their story and identify strongly with that. And within that framework, understanding that they've actually got something they can give back to the world, something that they can get passionate about. And all of a sudden, this person is saying, but this is what I specialize in, it's AI. Mm. And that's how we start sort of creating those employment pathways. Now, I can, I can get how all of a sudden with, with a young person, you can get that spark and that moment, and that must be an amazing thing to see. But I guess you also go into enterprise and you find yourself educating boards about why their organisation, maybe, maybe there's inertia there, maybe there's some barrier to that change. What tends to be the main reason that those organisations haven't broaden that talent pool and, and how do you unblock that? It, again, it, it comes down to being human. Um, you know, you can have many things put into that arena and, and I've sit, sat back and, you know, we've listened and we've, we've watched, but it comes down to being human and it's far easier to go with what you know and, you know, lots of organisations tend to have, a, you know, a feeder university that they will recruit from or it may be a very formulaic and traditional way of recruiting mm. and the personal persons that are doing the recruiting come from the same area or the same background or the same walk of life as them and it just becomes very comfortable very cozy you know like those lovely pair <laughs> well-worn slippers <laughs> and, and that that's a that's a that's a death knell for business business has to be constantly evolving constantly finding newer things um, and newer tools to allow growth and so the kind of apathy and, and, or inertia that companies will be quite readily happy to um, talk to us about comes from a place of same you're the same as me you look like me you talk like me it's good to go um, and and then it's really when the bottom line's being affected mm. because we've got to talk about the real world of commercial industries it's when that bottom line is being affected and they're seeing growth begin to stagnate that suddenly uh, people are then much more keen to try to sort of see is there a way forward is the way that we can change that but it will literally come back down to the same set of things um, the need to change the uh, routes to which they go out to seek for talent, mm. the need to actually look at their own retention issue. Don't go outside looking for more talent when you already have that retention issue <laughs> right there because you actually have that talent there. They're simply not being able to pass through the glass ceiling. So it's, it's a future-proofing commercial angle. It's a future-proofing commercial angle and we'll break it down happily time and time again, but it's about future-proofing through talent, new, fresh blood, and future-proofing through entrepreneurship that you've already got right under your fingertips. Now, my wife's from Salford. When yep. the BBC moved up to Salford, <laughs> she still laments the fact that many of those jobs didn't go to the local community. And you mentioned there that you're expanding outside of, of London to other cities. What are the barriers? What, what infrastructure isn't in place that, that, again, stops young people in those cities getting access to these jobs and are there regional differences i mean london has its own set of challenges is it the same in glasgow no, or is it slightly it's not different the same. it's going to every bit that you, every region you go into is going to have a different set of challenges 
it may be from a class point of view and from a financial point of view that there yeah. are many similarities but that's the beauty of going in and actually listening with the community on the ground and what the issues are and what those barriers are and then the industry that wants to come up and again i've got to thank industry they're trying to do something different in that space but they're not actually listening they're not right. going into the heart of the community it's more a case of well we'll come in and this is what we will do and you will listen to us hmm. small people you <laughs> rather than it being go in eat some humble pie get talking to the uh, people that are on the ground who are actually community experts and they will give you the biggest in ever to say well yeah you can come up with all of your shiny and lovely uh, ideas and your business but you have this huge gulf between the people that will be able to access it who will come from the same enclaves you know different area but they they understand the beat of that drum but you're still not going to pick up the very talent that you need to future proof what happens next yeah yeah so industry still lacks that I think on a, on a big scale and that really needs to change so if there was one message that you could get across to the board <laughs> I know you said it's about people it's about listening but one final thing that you kind of think really people need to bear in mind when they're dealing with trying to expand and trying to get new new pools of talent into their business you just mentioned it listen yeah listen seriously if you really listen you will be given the exact pointer to what it is that it is that you will need to do in order to future-proof your company and create that change Riyok, thank you for spending some time having a chat with us Absolutely. I know that you're up for a national award oh, yes. by the time this goes out the vote will be closed <laughs> but best of luck oh thank you very much thank you and uh, yeah fingers crossed there are there are more so you want to be in, in in the future absolutely we're looking forward to it thank you I remember us being moved by Rioc and uh, and June Angelides as well back at TLA5 that you mentioned yeah when they were on that panel uh, and I, I don't think it's Rioc said it but one of the ladies up there said um, we know we've hit diversity we know we've, we've we've overcome that hurdle when we're not four women sitting on a stage being talked about as four women sitting yeah. on a stage. And from that moment onwards, she has been, well, that whole that whole panel has been an inspiration. Yeah, but I love that this is, you know, we have we have had a few podcasts recently where we focused on inclusion and diversity. Yeah. And obviously this this is part of that, but I love that this is fundamentally about the talent pipeline as yeah. much as anything, yeah. regardless of, of who you are. Yeah. And, you know, they're rolling out schemes in Glasgow, Manchester, etc. This isn't just about... Peckham, no, you know, no. from a Peckhamite. This is this is about helping people from all sorts of communities. Where unfortunately, the bridge from that community through to industry yeah. has been broken. Yeah, and I think she made some really insightful comments all the way through this interview. Uh, first of all, let me apologise. It was a slightly windy day, but I didn't. I didn't notice that oh, in the draft you, you sent me. Yeah, um, I thought it was fascinating that she talked. She was so honest about the part about. You know, I'd stopped listening. Mm. You know, I'd had it hard and tough and made it through. What was my son's problem? Kids aren't, you know, this idea that actually this realisation that she wasn't listening, kids aren't feckless. They just don't have the networks, actually. Um, and, and and tied to that, you know, um, there was, there's that aspect that we, we can't work for free. We want to work, mm -hmm. but we can't mm -hmm. work for free. And we don't have the knowledge about how to get into it, into industry and how financial circumstances is a, re is a real barrier. And it's something that I have to be perfectly honest, I hadn't really considered before. I am lucky, I am male, mm -hmm. I am white, I am middle class. Mm -hmm. um, as we, yeah, as we both are. Yeah. Yeah. And most of my friends at university were able to do internships in the yeah. industries that they wanted to work in. And, and I'd never really considered about the fact that, of course, that for some people doing an internship is impossible yep. because... 
they cannot afford to do it. They don't have mum and dad supporting them through that through that transition. I mean, unless it's yeah, unless you're literally following mum or dad to work, what other opportunity do you have? You yeah. know, um, and it, yeah, they're really. I mean, so you want to be in TV, and then the the sister companies almost. Um, you want to be in tech, TV, AI. Yeah. They're, they're doing things that, and and Riox says this as well. They're doing things that education should have been should have set up years ago. Yeah. Um, our education, and I totally agree with her. Our system is about two hundred years old. Like it's it's not modern. Or well, maybe it's getting that way now. But especially when me and you were at school, um, we didn't like. So for example, today on LinkedIn, I was scrolling. I saw a woman talking about teaching Photoshop at school. Now that opportunity wouldn't have happened when we were at school. You know, something so simple. Um, being taught and it's kind of like STEM or STEAM if you want to chuck arts into there mm-hmm. um, is important to be addressed at such a young age and she set up a community whereby they can go and interact and learn and play with, with stuff like that and you're just like government f- throw money at this business you know because this is doing this is doing what you should be doing and I, I loved there, there are a couple of other points that I, that I want to pick out firstly um this idea that young people, when they go to these sessions, probably have preconceived ideas, uh, especially when they're getting t- told about AI. You think it's going to be another version of school, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But then the fact that actually it didn't really have anything to do with the fact that AI was the subject matter, they could identify with the individual and the narrative and the story. Now, I remember when I went to see careers advice at school, we got told to do a questionnaire. Um, have a guess what what it suggested I should be. I bet it suggested you should be an accountant. No, no, Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> what? Maybe, maybe if an Undertaker had come into school and told me their personal story, you might I, have been. Yeah, yeah. You, you might have been up for it. But that's how. But I can see how engaging it must be, especially if that person is is as Riox says, comes from the wrong side of the tracks. Yes, and yes. they tell someone about that journey, how that opens up mm. the possibility to someone. It starts that employment pathway. Yeah. I often think about my wife, who um, we speak about our, our differences when I was growing up. My mum, dad, I was very lucky. I, I went. I, I come from a family where my parents both went to university and that was always something that I knew was an opportunity to yep, me. Yep. Whereas her mum, dad didn't go to university. They were working class parents and she didn't even know that she could go to oh, a lot of the universities, right? Yeah. That, that, that were available to her. Uh, and that's... Again, she comes from what would generally be conceived as um, a fairly privileged background. Yep. So here we're talking about people who it's craziness. Yeah, just they don't they don't have that concept until someone stands in front of them and goes, "Guys, you you yeah. can aspire." It's access to opportunity, and we see more and more role models coming out. You know, if you if you listen to I don't know, let's say for example Idris Elba's story, rise to the top, very humble background, you know, grew born and raised in Tottenham Hackney. Yeah, and DJ Driss. <laughs> yeah, and now look at him, you know, he could be the next James Bond. Um, we need more role models like this engaging with the communities, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's such an amazing thing to see that this is happening in London and being rolled out to regions and, and so on. And I was sent um, a link by, uh, I hope she doesn't mind me citing her directly, but Sophie Thien sent me a link to... to a good friend of, of the show. Good friend of the show. Uh, on the BBC yesterday, it was talking about an ethnicity pay gap and the government mm. looking at the gender pay gap uh, have decided that an eth- ethnicity pay gap may be, may be a good idea. Yeah. And you can understand why, because um, when you look at the stats, um, it found that 18% of job white, uh, white sorry job applicant shortlists had got the job compared to just 11% of ethnic minorities. When you look at the police force, just 1% of non-white officers hold senior roles. Obviously, there are barriers there. Yeah. And, and I can understand how those barriers exist 
when we relate it back to what Rioja is talking about here, and maybe some of those communities, which tend to probably be more ethnically diverse, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's certainly in London anyway, yeah. don't have a pathway into work. Yeah. Um, so Sophie sent me some thoughts on it. You know, maybe some people wouldn't be comfortable with told they're being treated unfairly because they are ethnic, to uh-huh. use the, yeah, the terminology yeah, yeah, yeah. that the government yeah. has used. And maybe it's not particularly well conceived mm-hmm. because it's, all oh, gender pay gap has been positive. Maybe we should do this elsewhere. But one thing it does do is, and it ties in directly to what Rioc was saying in that it challenges this idea of the same. Yes. And she talks about inertia coming from the place of the same. Yep. And let's face it, when we look across most organisations and boardrooms, we hire, as we were saying on the last previous podcast with, with, with Haley and, and working, we tend to hire in a younger, better imaged version of ourselves. Yeah. And it's only now when organisations are looking at the bottom line that they're beginning to appreciate that they have to change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way you get business owners to jump on board. You know, you start losing money, they're going to want change. Yeah. And yeah, for me, it's about, it's about finding those role models putting them in front of children uh, or impressionable minds um, and then you know saying no no one wakes up in the morning and goes I'm going to end up one day being an AI engineer or whatever you, you stumble into we've both stumbled into our careers yes and I think you need that role model to sort of push you in the right direction whether that's either a teacher or you know someone of a bit more gravitas coming into your life and helping shape it and yeah love love real I thought this was a truly fascinating interview I mean mm. the fact Look, I mean, we haven't mentioned it yet, but the fact that um, something that could have been such an awful, tragic event, and, you know, whilst her son survived, you you could still imagine that this would make, I I don't know whether or not it would make me angry, Mm. but Mm. instead Mm. inspired Mm. her to do this, you know, the fact that this kid hated her son for having two parents at home, instead of making her angry about the situation when... No, let's do something let's, positive about it. Let's affect change. It's exactly. incredible. And the fact that she's helping the talent pipeline in, in tech, yeah. that should be yeah. sung from, from, from the hilltops. I mean, that's, the just, that's just an example of how good a work she's doing. It's taking us 10 minutes of conversation saying well, she's actually doing good for tech pipelines as well, you know, yeah, yeah. getting people of ethnicity and women into, into more roles. And it's like the, the tech is important, but for us, the important thing is this. You know, resetting, re-switching yeah. the dial at an educational level. I, I will include in the show notes, there is an event taking place on the 21st of November at Huckletree where Rioc is on the panel nice. and the moderator is June Angelides. So, friends of the show. Friends of the show. That's something that we'd love you to go along to and that's talking all about apprenticeships and the, and the, and the town pipeline. And I imagine Rioc has some interesting views there because she talks about the fact that actually for some of these communities, apprenticeships won't work um, be, because of the financial barriers. So, And Dave, I'll be there that day as well. I'm going. Look at that, yeah. as will I. Yeah. Um, so look, Rio, thank you very much. We're going to go to a very short advert break, but stick with us because we're talking about community and mental health, uh, an article from UKTN, and then you have a product of the week and we're being joined by someone. I know, we are. Very exciting. I think we should get them to talk about your product as well. Well, we'll get there a bit. Okay, yes, there's another uh, person saying... Of course, this is this is planned in advance. You know. Oh, well. Absolutely. Fun, we're yeah. not making it up as we go along. No. Advert break. <laughs> Hi folks, Dave here. I wanted to let you know that we've teamed up with audible.co.uk and we're offering you a free audiobook. All you have to do is register for a one-month free trial to claim your free audiobook, of which there are over 
250,000 to choose from. It's a 30-day free trial. It means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep, whether or not you decide to cancel that trial period or not. Free piece of advice, if you're going to try an audiobook, go for Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Anyway, sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks. Back to the show. Welcome back to Tech Talks. It is time, of course, for the news. And this week it comes from UKTN. It is an opinion piece uh, written by Judy Rice, who is a partner at WeWork, uh, titled To Improve Workplace Wellness, Build a Supportive Community. Mm. And I picked this out because um, this was published Wednesday last week, which was World Mental Health Day. Um, obviously now that's kind of last week, but um, given that we were talking about it on the show, I felt it was it was interesting to highlight. Um, makes a couple of, of key points here. Yeah. Right. Community is key. Yeah, we know that. We know that. So yep. it talks about cutthroat corporate culture can't easily survive the, the scrutiny of the internet and workers can't thrive in a toxic workplace, especially one that is increasingly encroaching on our lives. We'll come back to that. Can it also we? talks about not being afraid to, to reach out. But I, I, what I really liked about this, okay? Go on. Traditionally, companies work people hard. Yeah. Corporate, the corporate culture that is talked about there. Yeah. And people talk about, well, you know, but we need to be productive because it's good for the economy, right? <laughs> yeah. And... There is a line here that annually the cost of low morale, low productivity caused by that low morale, yep. sick days being pulled, resignations through, through being stressed, costs the UK economy £70 billion. Pounds. Mm. That's... That, that is such a strong economic argument to say, guys, stop riding people so hard, mm. let them thrive and give them the breathing space to be passionate about their work and not feel crushed under the weight of expectation and stress. Well, everyone, we all know that it's hard to get motivated to make a CEO profit and a CEO profitable only, you know? Like, you're driving, you're working, you know, sometimes eight till six, nine till five, whatever, all day long, as hard as you possibly can. You're getting paid what you're getting paid, but then everyone else is reaping the rewards of, you know, or the senior lot are reaping the rewards of the higher share price or whatever you want to call it. That's not why people want to go to work anymore. That might have been the case, or never really the case, but that might have been more acceptable 20, 30 years ago. But what do we talk about every week is purpose. Mm. Mm. That oh, is, and this, this yeah, talks about this. And that yeah. is not enough purpose for someone to come to work and perform well. Yeah, and we, we, we will come to, to, to purpose. I think it's interesting that it talks about, you know, how, because, let's be honest, because of tech, um, the workplace is increasingly encroaching our lives. It's very easy to be connected the entire time. Totally. Uh, and we've spoken previously that actually you need to find a balance and, and mm. saying, you know what, I am switched off between time X and Y. Yep. I will get back to you later in the evening. I don't expect you to get back to me. Yep. People need to actually think about that work-life pa- balance and yep. how it affects them, not only them, but their choices, how it affects other people. Well, so if, yeah, you're, yeah. if you're a senior member of staff and you get back to emails at 10 o'clock, you should tell people working for you that you don't expect them to yeah. get back to you. Otherwise, yeah. they're like, oh God, she's should emailing, I? You know, she's, he's emailing me now, yeah. I need to reply. And yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. causes stress, etc. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think your purpose point is, is, in, is incredibly important because um, we, we often talk about how important purpose is to the technology industry. Exactly, exactly. Um, what does it say? This this really this reminded me of you actually. This line, 
Uh, people, when approached in the right way, do find the time and energy to muster up the greatest superpower of all time, help. Oh, I need help all the time. No, 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 no. <laughs> but because, because you approach people the right way, you know, you give them time, you give them a voice, you know, they're happy to help you for free of charge. Well, so, help. <laughs> I'll be honest, something did, here did resonate with me on a personal level in a, in a big way. So, so one of the lines in the article, paragraphs, purpose can grow in the unlikeliest of places. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is lucky enough to, to have a vocation. 100% true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. aged 13, 14. I aged 13, 14. No, I, I when aged 13 or 14, yeah. was keen to be um, an Egyptologist. So, wait, your past career is, would have been an Egyptologist or someone that works in a mall, an undertaker. Wow. They were two, your two childhood dreams. No, the, well, the undertaker certainly wasn't my childhood dream, but I would have been too late to the party. <laughs> Mummies are already dead. Uh, anyway. <laughs> You're the world's last Egyptian undertaker. Yes. Um, but sometimes the smallest interaction within your company can boost your drive and help you in the morning. So when you have a brief but rewarding chat in the, in the pantry area, a coffee with someone outside of your network, you introduced to an interesting person, being inspired by your own goals and finding your purpose with it can come from a gentle drip feed of inspiration and dynamism from those around you. And it's funny because I think about someone who used to work for me, Steph Crates, who's, now, Steph. who's now at the FOSS. And when she joined... Um, she knew nothing about cybersecurity and she wasn't even working in that market, but she starts to have conversations with security managers like six, seven years ago, I guess now. Mm. Um, and if, if I point her in the direction of this podcast, she might correct me. Um, <laughs> but she became really uh, infused by security and now is a very good cybersecurity consultant as, as a consequence uh, and was here for five years working in that market and leading it for us. If someone had told her, I bet, age 20, 21, that she'd be an enthusiast about cybersecurity, she wouldn't. And that was drip-fed. Yep. You know, we're not all lucky enough to have that purpose. But mm. if you're working in an environment where people support those ideas and allow you to have those conversations, that can help someone find that spark that helps drive them forward. You're just, you're talking into a mirror, Dave. This is exactly <laughs> what's happened to you. This is exactly what's happened to you. You know, you had the idea, you were drip-fed inspiration. And then you've got a wonderful dynamic partner, and that's who we are today. <laughs> Hiding my own image. Exactly, exactly. No, definitely not. I think I went for the, for the different. Yes, of course did. <laughs> but I mean, I, I did want to pick up. Do you not think this this article sort of? I mean, it's written by the the partner at WeWork. Well, of course. Look, in, in my head, I'm thinking of the We Live approach and then you're going to be of, living with people you work of with of course they espouse the ideas that are favourable to WeWork of course yeah, yeah. but I, I I completely am on board with the idea that, that actually purpose isn't something that you're necessarily innately born with and it can be uh, it can be found later in life it can be frustrating to try and find as well it can be I've sat at my desk here and thought what what am I doing this for you know when you're, when you're working for someone else my job is working to win someone else's business yeah. you can get bogged down in that and then you know you get a nice at a boy or someone asks you to do a podcast yeah. and your purpose is re-energised but look just to go back to that first point I think this is this is hugely important you know uh, actually bad community management costs the economy yeah. if you want to frame this in a purely financial term and all, uh, sorry a purely financial argument there you go. Right? Bill. If, if, if you screw people and grind them down so much so that they are ill and that they leave and you think that they're just weak and unproductive, well, guess what? Actually, you're screwing the economy as much as... <laughs> and the NHS. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was a really important message. Yeah. Anyway, we are uh, going to invite a special guest into the show and we're going to move to Product of the Week to wrap up 
this Monday edition. Right, so for Jack's product of the week, we are joined by Kaylee McHale. Hello. Hi, guys. And you're the, the founder of You Equal Tech. You Equal Tech, that's right. Which yeah. is? A community and series of events aiming to drive inclusion in the tech industry. Which is pretty appropriate given what we've been talking about on the show today. And look, whenever I've said I was at a wonderful event last night or last week, it was it was Kaylee's. Yeah. yeah, it was it was always Kaylee's events. That always, I've been to, like three or four of them. You've been to I've, other events. Yeah, but the ones I reference are usually Kaylee's. Right. They're, they're honestly, from an outsider's point of view, they are incredible community. How, how many people do you normally have at an event? Um, it varies, kind of depending on on where we are. But I would say anywhere between sort of. 60 to what well, our last event last week was well over 100 yeah um yeah so they they it, it they fluctuate in size and the next event is the 22nd of november 22nd of november give us a flavor what's it about so um on the 22nd we are going to be talking so quite the the events and their kind of things always come from conversations that we're having with people in the community so um negotiation has always been um a big one for us, that we've always wanted to kind of cover negotiation in one of the sessions, um, so we're going to do that. Um, and we we haven't announced speakers yet, but um, but yeah, it's I'm excited for our speakers for this month. Um, so we're going to cover negotiation. We're also going to um, cover off how to hold your own in a in a conversation um, in a technical conversation. Um, Particularly, you know, as if if you are a non technical person, uh, if only just for the reason that you don't want to have the a wall pulled over your eyes, and mm. even just that that amount. Of you should go then, Dave, because you talk to tech experts all the time, and I know for a fact you have no idea what you know what you're talking about. So <laughs> thanks, mate. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, and also um, within that kind of segment as well, we're looking at um, how to kind of kickstart um, your coding journey without breaking the bank, essentially. So there's loads of ways out there, and we just kind of going to talk about that a little bit, and then and leadership. So we're kind of breaking it down into three lightning talks. So it's the first. The communication and holding your own, um, second one on negotiation, and the third one on leadership. Cool. Now, if someone wants to follow you, Equal Tech, what's the best? What's what are the best channels? So, um, all of our events are on um, Meetup, so you can find us on Meetup hashtag we'll hashtag you Equal Tech. Um, we are on Twitter also, and that's at you Equal Tech underscore, um, and how else? Yeah, for, for all of the event stuff. You know, everyone in the community gets our our updates um, regarding events through that. So. We will make sure that we include that in, again in the show notes. Yeah, and praise be the show notes. Coming come from coming from myself personally, they are amazing events, and I'm not just saying that because Katie's in the room here. They and are. I will hit you. Yeah. <laughs> Ow! Oh, sorry, they're truly amazing events. Sorry, I didn't add that extra bit there. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful acting. <laughs> no, right. Thank you. Yeah, and it's good. It's good feedback. You know, I think that I think the good. The most amazing thing about the event is that when people, I don't know what you think, but I think mm. people just open up yeah. um, and everybody is so supportive of one another. Like the whole point is bringing together amazing people so that they can A, learn from each other yeah. and, 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 you know, hacks and yeah. practical advice, um, but also to just meet some really cool people who uh, um, can then support you and champion you in your career. So, um, yeah. They're very candid and very honest, the mm. panellists, whenever I've seen them, you know. Mm. Kelly's been on it from... Um, Kelly Waters. Yeah, 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 Kelly Waters has been on it and he's been very open about his recruitment process and yep. the problems he encountered and how he overcame that. And it's, mm. it is eye-opening and it is refreshing and, and like you said, the community that Kelly's mm. fostered is very welcoming as well. There we go. Well, look, it's a pleasure to have you 
here for this incredibly insightful part of the show. It's been a while. It's been a while. Well, yeah, I mean, probably with good reason. Since, since oh, fucking hell. Since before, <laughs> since before America, I haven't had a product yet. So this better be a good one. And I've heard that this is the reason that people tune in. It's the only reason, okay. It's this, the only this, this is the bit where we've lost 90% of all of it. Sure, 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 sure. Right, now let me... Let me, I'll give you a bit of an introduction and I'll read the article. Yeah, go okay. on. Um, winter is around the corner. Although it doesn't... Winter, winter, winter is, coming. is coming. No. <laughs> oh, that's Game of Thrones thing. Winter is around the corner. It's not getting colder now, but, you know, it will eventually. It yeah. will creep up on us, right? So my product this week is about keeping warm. Okay? So the comfort touch... Hot water bottle. Do we have to guess or... No. We don't interrupt each other, please. We don't. We, you now and also, you, unless it's a smart art, um, <laughs> that's not going to be the most exciting thing. That was thing. sick. Um, anyway, um, yeah. so the ultra fast invisible heating scarf. Wow, yeah, by In Lab Design. So, add extra warmth with the Comfort Touch ultra fast invisible heating scarf. They need a better name. Uh, made from soft wool, this luxurious scarf warms you in just up to 20 seconds. Dave's going to start asking about the tech. Don't worry about it, Dave. It's woven in. So it's what the, the heating system is woven into the fabric, right? Battery life? Well, how do you charge it, yeah? Two hours charging. It's a little um, USB. It's got a... Um, I'm not explaining this. It only well. lasts for two hours. Lasts for two hours, and it's a two-hour charge time well, as most, well. To be fair, most people aren't outside that long. Mm. Well, what if you're a, you know, lollipop lady... I guess it works as a normal scarf. It works as a normal scarf, yes. But the heating component, you get two hours. You get, it, uh, it's not in one sitting, so you can turn it off if you're adequately warm and then flick it back on again later and then you can just plug it into your computer or your... Which lollipop ladies are always next to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the sass. Oh, we, get, we get a guest in this section and it's like a barrage of a trap on me. <laughs> but look, it's going to get colder. Right, it is going to get colder, and this is this is this is a piece of wearable tech which we love. We do like wearable tech. We do love wearable yeah. tech. I love this idea. Yeah. How much are they? How much are they? Is a great question. Seventy nine dollars. They start from. <laughs> I don't love it. <laughs> yeah, that's dollars though. Wait for our. Uh, wait you for know, our if you bought an expensive tech. scarf, I mean, I wouldn't pay that much for no. a scarf. But a, if you were to buy an expensive, you might almost spend that much money on it. It depends. If it's, a, if it's a nice big thick woolly scarf, yes. If it's a bit thin. And whatever it needs to be a good scarf in the, its own right first. Does it have an accompanying app? Can I can I just say uh, it, it's wool the scarf? So, wool so wool. you can have thin wool scarves. Uh, what's the point? Um, but you can. Uh, but this is a warm scarf. It's actually quite surprising that it's taken so long for right? these kind of things to actually to to become normal. Exactly. You think about like the electric blanket. They are so old school, and um, and who doesn't love an electric blanket? I was kind of hoping tech. Though. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of hoping you didn't mention the electric blanket because that just proves the technology's been around for a while. And it's not that recent, but anyway. But if this has an accompanying app, then that is new. What? Okay, you know I love an accompanying app, Dave. Yeah. But what is the point of an accompanying app? You can set the temperature. You yeah. can get it out. You've got a dial on there. You've got a dial on there. You can. There's a dial on the scarf. Well, that's it's less, tucked that's, in. It's that's less tech. Oh, if, it, if you Bluetooth connection to the scarf and then you're yeah. like, you know, like a little hive thing. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe hive could get in touch make with Ed, a really. scarf. Get in touch with Ed. He'll no, I, Ed's not hive anymore, is it tiny? Oh, yeah, cool. Nick, Sorry, Nick who? There you go. There you go. Um, can I just add one thing that I know is playing on your minds? Go on. It is finding a hand wash cycle. 
so you can clean it. Well, that's a good point. I wasn't hand, actually Yeah, but I, well, that is actually not cool because uh, who wants to hand wash anything? No, no, but like, so like my merino jumpers that I love have to go in a hand wash cycle. Uh, so not like you get uh, the like thing the, out. A and, delicate wash. Yeah, 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 yeah. One that David do his knickers in. Sort of thing. <laughs> so who makes this scarf? In lab design. Do they have a, an account? Yeah. Which is? Uh, Google. <laughs> you don't know what their social handle is no way but I will say that if you go on the gadget flow which is where I find a lot of my products you will find this oh there. giving away the secrets it's not a secret it's like we're pulling back the curtain no 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 it's fine <laughs> it, I exhausted all the other websites so gadget flow's my most recent one look if anyone's got a gadget that they would like Jack to highlight that's oh, like, I've already got one lined up for the next one oh, we could probably do with some more <laughs> um, that would be excellent I, I don't think I'm going to buy this no, Kaylee, you might. I just have it. Yeah, well, do you know what? I would. Uh, I would think about it. I would prefer a heated jacket. Interesting. And they do exist. They One do. My friend, yeah, works for a startup that um, they they designed um, a heated jacket. Um, Scarlett Johansson wore it as well in in a movie. I can't remember now what the movie was. Was called, it Lucy? But, um, don't think so. That's a terrible film. Yeah, I was going to say, because that's not doing any I don't think <laughs> it talks about heated jackets in it. No, but she's like a robot kind of. No, well, she just. Limitless. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what every robot needs. Exactly, heated jackets. Heated jacket. yeah, they would have won in iRobot had they had their shoulders suitably warm enough. Right? <laughs> she can change matter and time around her, but what she really needs is to keep warm. Yeah, she can change all of that, but gosh, she suffers from colds all the time. There we go. Right, well, thank you for that insightful moment, Jack. No, no worries. Yeah, good. Uh, Kaylee, thank you for coming on and joining us. Thank uh, you for having me. And for eat... talking about You Equal Tech. Yeah, You Equal Tech is, is awesome, and we would encourage people who are listening to, to get involved and check it out. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Bye.